Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Aris Zukanayan. Praise the Lord. Well, you know what? Since we are still in this season of Easter, and how many of you know that, praise the Lord, Jesus is alive, Jesus has resurrected. And I want to talk to you today about the power of Jesus of His resurrection. I want to take you first, before we go on to the resurrection of Jesus, to the very scene of the darkest moment of human history at the foot of the cross, just before Jesus was about to breathe his last breath, just before he died hanging on the cross. So let's pick it up in John chapter 19, verse 25 to verse 26. And I want to read to you from the NIV version in John chapter 19, verse 25 to verse 26. It says here, near the cross of Jesus, near the cross of Jesus, stood his mother. And how many of you know Jesus' mother, her name is Mary. Jesus' mother was there. His mother's sister, whose name is Mary, the wife of Clopas. So it's really funny that in one family, two sisters are named Marys. And then the third one, and Mary Magdalene were there. Three Marys were there. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, and the disciple's name is none other than John. The Bible says that he said to her, woman, here is your son. You know what, church, is very interesting that at the scene where Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were not many people who were left supporting him. Now, this was a very far cry from the usual crowd that Jesus always had. Every time when you and I read the Bible, when Jesus was, was around doing ministry, he was constantly surrounded by multitudes and crowds of people who adore him. But on the day when he was hanging on the cross, there were only four people who supported him. That's why there is a great difference between people who surround you and people who support you. During good times, there will be a lot of people that will surround you, that will like to experience the crumbs of your success. But on your days of crisis, on your days of death, on the days when you are down, not many people will be there to support you. Choose your friends wisely, who surrounds you and who ultimately supports you. Who can say amen? amen? That day, on the day when Jesus died, church, only Mary, his mother, was there. Mary's sister, whose name is also Mary, the wife of Clopas. Now, incidentally, in the book of Mark, this Mary was described as Mary, the mother of James. And then the third one, Mary Magdalene were there, standing by Jesus to the very last moment before he breathed his last. The only disciple left was John. The rest of the eleven have all abandoned him. One of them even betrayed him. And all have deserted him. Jesus that day died a very lonely death. Now, church, picture this. Three women and one disciple. Three Marys. Mary, his mother. Mary, Mary's sister. <laughs> and Mary Magdalene. That's why, guys, if you want to marry a girl, marry a Mary. Hallelujah, right? Because Marys 
has proven themselves to be the faithful ones on the day when Jesus died on the cross. That's why I have a good advice to you. Marry a Mary, hallelujah, right? Now, three women and only one man were there. Three women and one disciple. That's why the odds of women versus men staying faithful in a marriage is three to one. But church, the most interesting thing is this. Do you know that throughout the entire scriptures, we hardly hear from these three women. We only read about the disciples performing miracles, Peter walking on water, but you don't hear Mary, the wife of Clopas, walking on water. We hear of disciples preaching and teaching like Jesus. We hear the disciples talking loudly about their encounters and about their supernatural experience with Jesus. But we don't hear much from these three Marys or women at all. And yet, at the time when Jesus needed support the most, where everyone has abandoned Him, only these three women stayed with Jesus to the very end. What does this teach us? Friends, today I want to tell you, quiet faith is sometimes more important than loud confession. See, these three women, we hardly hear of their faith. We hardly hear of their encounters with God. We hardly hear of their supernatural miracles that they maybe probably have not performed. But yet we hear a lot about the disciples. But on the day when Jesus needed support the most, the ones that have quiet faith is the one who were there, stayed with Jesus to the very end. And yet those who have loud confession that says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, was the first one to abandon Jesus. Listen, church, quiet faith is sometimes more important than loud confession. Why? Because loud does not mean strong. Quiet does not mean weak. How many of you can say amen? And the kind of faith that we want to build in City Harvest Church, among the emerge, among the young people, among all of us here as a church, we want to build the kind of faith that will last, that will stay true to the very end when Jesus needed us the most. How many of you can say amen? Why is that so? Why is it that quiet faith is more important than loud confession? Because friends, faith that is built on the inside quietly will eventually express itself loudly on the outside during times of crisis. It was during crisis that your real faith will show up. See, that's why we don't need to show off our faith. Who can say amen? That's why in this age of Instagram, if you have real faith, you don't have to show it off. If you are very good in prayer, you don't have to Instagram it in Jesus' name. You don't have to put correct lighting and then after that, kneel down at the right posture and make sure that you are being photograph at the right angle and to show to the entire world that you have a great faith in God in prayer. This is not the kind of faith that we want to build in City Harvest Church. That's why holy is more important than hype. How many of you can say amen? That's why we don't need to show off our faith. Quietly build your faith on the inside. 
Because eventually it will show up. When? Crisis will show the kind of faith you have on the inside. And if you say, Pastor, I never have crisis in my life. Don't say too soon. <laughs> crisis will eventually come and visit you in Jesus' name. Because like what Craig Groeschel said, a faith that is not tested is a faith that is not trusted. God wants to build quiet faith within us so that in times of crisis, this is the kind of faith that will cause you to stay with Jesus to the very end. Not the kind of hype faith. woo -hoo! But the first one to woo-hoo! Hallelujah, right? <laughs> At seven o'clock, the one that woo-hoo, the loudest, is the first one who also scoot away. Leaving behind the poor preacher hanging on the cross by themselves, preaching to himself. <laughs> we don't need to show off our faith. How many of you can say Amen, City Harvest Church? Amen. We just need to build our faith quietly on the inside. Because in times of crisis, the real faith will show up. And this is the kind of faith that will stay with Jesus to the very end. This is City Harvest Church. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Easier said than done. How to do it? I'm glad you asked. Hallelujah. That's why this is my main uh, verse for today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6 from the message version. How many of you want to have staying faith? You see, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. Don't become a dramatist when it comes to faith. Come to Easter, become a drama actor, yes. But when it comes to faith, don't become a dramatist. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom, do you think God sits in a box seat? But here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. How do you do it? Just be there. Somebody say with me, just be there. And then as simply, as honestly as you can manage. And then the focus will shift from you to God. And then you will begin to sense His grace, the power, the supernatural power beyond your human ability to stay true with Jesus to the very end. That's the kind of faith that God wants to build quietly inside of you. A faith that gives you staying power in crisis. Listen, church, these three women even though they never performed mighty miracles before the Lord. But what they have is that they have quiet faith. What they have is resilience that can overcome hardships. And that's the message of Easter and resurrection that Jesus wants us to receive. Resurrection is the power of resilience. Resurrection is the power of resilience. It is the staying power it is the kind of faith that will stay with Jesus to the very end. You know why I want to preach this sermon? Recently, I was reading this quote, and this jumped up to me like a revelation. Now, it's not a Bible quote, but it is one of those quotes that I read, and it says this, Resilience is not something you inherit. You earn it by accepting the fact that you can still resurrect even after a thousand emotional deaths. No, church, 
Whenever we talk about resurrection, we always associate resurrection with physical resurrection. A person who died physically and coming back again to life. But on this weekend, I want to talk to you about resurrection, an emotional death that God wants to resurrect inside of you. A hopelessness that turned into hopefulness. How many of you can say amen? And that's the kind of resurrection that God wants you and I to experience this weekend. An emotional resurrection. Somebody say with me, an emotional resurrection. That day at the cross, all the women and the disciples experienced the most painful emotional death. You know what kind of emotional death they experienced? You know what emotional death is expressed in many different forms? Death, hopelessness, despair, disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, defeat, doubt, fear, sense of loss, sorrow, grief, and regret. And you know what? The list can go on. And how many of you know, even when I put all these lists up, one of you can surely identify with one of these emotional deaths. But you know what? Seeing the death of Jesus was painful and sad for these three women and one disciple. But what was heartbreaking was that along with Jesus' death, all hope and joy for the future that day were all vanished and gone. Because all their hope and their future and their joy are now buried together with Jesus in the tomb. You know what, friends? Somebody said this, death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside of us while we live. The greatest form of death is not physical death. The most tragic kind of death is actually emotional death. It's when, when you are still living and yet something inside you has died. A dream has died. Your hope is died, has died. Your future is gone. Your one thing that you treasure the most has been taken away from you. And that's why this weekend, after Easter Sunday, I want to tell you, God's resurrection power is here to resurrect every emotional death in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah, right? That today, if you are feeling hopelessness, God can resurrect hope again into your life. And you need to experience this resilience. You need to experience this grace that God can impart upon you. It's a supernatural power that you and I cannot even do it by yourself. But it is the grace that God imputes upon you. It is the resilience. It is the power to endure hardships so that you will ultimately experience resurrection in Jesus' name. That's why when all is lost and gone, I have good news for you. Resurrection can bring resilience into your life. How do you do that? Matthew 6 verse 6, just now I told you to read. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage and the focus will shift from God to you, from you to God. And then you will begin to sense His grace of resilience. That's why, how many of you here today are like the three women? Something happened to you that caused you to die emotionally. And because you are dead emotionally, right now, today, you become bitter. You become angry. You are now feeling purposeless in life. Hopeless. 
and even to the point of wanting to end your life. How many of you here are on the brink of giving up, of throwing in the towel? But I have good news for you and I want to tell you this. Don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't give up. Don't give up. Today, when you come to service, don't give up. Chin up. Shoulders up. And believe that you're going to walk out of this place resurrected in Jesus' name. Because hope is infused again into your life by the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't give up. Turn to your neighbor one more time and say, neighbor, don't ever give up. Today, if you are, if you are battling with depression, don't give up. Today, if you are battling with hopelessness, don't give up. Today, if your marriage has gone, you, are, you, have, you have been served divorce papers, don't give up on your life. Today, if something has been taken away from you, don't give up. Because Jesus, through His resurrection power, can give you the resilience you need to overcome all these hardships in Jesus' name. How do you do that? How do you do that? Pastor, enough of the introduction. Just tell me the steps right now. Hallelujah, right? Okay, okay. Number one. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Just be there. Don't give up. Even when these three women were at the foot of the cross and everyone else has abandoned Jesus, when they are the only one left standing, even when they are facing a dead end, the Bible says that they remain standing there, not abandoning Jesus. Number one, just be there. Stay where you are. Don't abandon Jesus. Don't give up hope. Don't lose faith in God. Even when you are facing a dead end, even when you are facing the foot of the cross, don't give up. Why? Because, do you know, your dead end is actually a setup for a turnaround. Because when you thought that you are at a dead end, don't you know that you are being positioned by God to be at the right place to experience a major turnaround in your life? How do I know this? How do I know this? When the three women and the disciples stayed with Jesus to the very end, they are actually, without them knowing, positioning themselves for a turnaround in their life. How do I know? Because three days later, when Jesus finally resurrected, this is what happened. Let's go to John 20, verse 13 to verse 16. In John 20, verse 13 to verse 16, was the resurrection scene. And the first person that Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene. Now he says here, they asked a woman, why are you crying? And Mary said, they have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and cried out in Aramic, Rabboni, which means teacher. This is fantastic, because at the resurrection, guys, the first person that Jesus appeared to was Mary Magdalene. Guys, who were the closest to Jesus? Peter, James, and John. Who were the ones that followed Jesus everywhere he went? Who was the one that he appeared to in the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. 
Don't you want to appear to your closest once you are resurrected from the dead? How many of you can say amen? Today, if you have a good news, who do you want to tell the good news first? The one that is closest to you. Who should be those people? Peter, James, and John. But the day when Jesus was resurrected, he ought to show to the people that are closest to him. But he didn't. Who did he show himself up as a first person to see and experience his resurrection? Mary Magdalene. Who is Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene was there at the foot of the cross, the one who stayed with Jesus to the very end. Now church, this is not the end. In fact, if you go on reading, the second person that Jesus appeared to was Mary, the mother of James. Mary, the wife of Clopas. One of the three women who stayed with Jesus at the end, till the very end. Matthew 28 verse 9 says, when these three women realized that Jesus was resurrected, Jesus told them, the angels told them, go to Galilee and tell the disciples. And as they ran towards Galilee, Jesus appeared midway and appeared before them. Who are these people? One of them was Mary, the wife of Clopas. The other two was Joanna. The other one is Salome. Hallelujah. The second person who witnessed Jesus' resurrection was Mary, the wife of Clopas. Listen, church, I want to ask you, the, I want to ask you a question. Who were the first group of people that Jesus appeared to upon his resurrection? The answer is the same group of people who stayed with him at the death. That means what? The last man standing is always the first person to experience resurrection life. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah, right? Listen, it's not the closest one to Jesus that will experience resurrection life. It's not the closest to Jesus that witnessed the resurrection on Sunday morning. The people who witnessed and experienced resurrection was the same group of women who stayed with Jesus to the very end. You know what? At the foot of the cross, they are feeling hopeless because their future and their hope was taken away from them. But little did they know that they are actually being positioned by God at the very end to experience and witness the resurrection power of Jesus the first thing and the first thing on Sunday morning. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Your dead end is a setup for a turnaround. You see, church, what does this teach us? You know what? It teaches one thing. The criteria to see resurrection power is the ability to stand with Jesus to the very end. And that's why Matthew 24, verse 10 and 13 says so. At a time when many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. But because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be safe in Jesus' name. The one who stays faithful to the very end will experience salvation will experience deliverance, will experience resurrection. That's why the one thing that we can learn in point number one is that you must not give up. You must stand your ground. Even though you are facing a dead end, hopelessness, know this one thing, you are at the right place at the right time still because God is positioning you for a turnaround in Jesus' name. Come on, City Harvest Church, this is evening. Give God a big hand. Hallelujah.
You know what, that day when the three women and John were looking at Jesus and saw that everyone else has abandoned him, they could have also left Jesus. Because when they look around and nobody was around, everybody has left. That's why sometimes we are so preoccupied looking at who have left you, but not knowing who is still with you. How many of you can say amen? And that's the thing. They, they could have also left Jesus. Knowing that the supposed Messiah is now but a convicted criminal. They could have also given up hope and left the scene and left Jesus and say to themselves, let's go home. We are one Amen, right? Let's go home. Let's stop playing this game. It's time for us to pack our bag and go. But friends, the Bible says they stayed on. They stayed on until Jesus died. They stayed on even until their dream died. They stood at the foot of the cross. And people ask this, Pastor, you're preaching like this. What good if standing firm doesn't translate into immediate deliverance? What's the point of me standing still if my standing still doesn't produce the result that I want? See, that's the problem that you and I face today in this world. Because today, the problem we have is that we live in a pragmatic age where we are reluctant to do anything if its practical usefulness cannot be demonstrated. That's why we always ask ourselves, what's the point of praying? Pastor, I have been praying. I have been worshipping. I have been eating communion until there's no more communion in the whole of Singapore already. Amen, right? You know what? I've been drinking wine until I'm feeling also a little bit, you know, drunk already. But church, many of us will say, what's the point of me coming to church? What's the point of having devotion? What's the point of me staying and standing firm in faith, knowing that what all these things we do does not translate to deliverance, does not translate to progress or improvement? Church, that's the problem. We always underestimate sacraments. We always underestimate the power of doing worship, of prayer. Because church, even though those things don't demonstrate usefulness, it demonstrates faithfulness. Because he who is faithful to the end shall see salvation. The one who will be saved is not the one who is useful. The one who will be saved are the one who will be faithful. Faithful to the very end. The one who don't give up. That's why City Harvest Church, this morning I'm telling you, if you're feeling depressed, don't give up in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a big hand. Don't give up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't ever give up. You know what? We have to stop. Church, we got, to, we, got, we got to change our habit. We got to change our mentality. We have to stop looking for solutions to get out of our situation. Instead, we must learn to look to God and submit ourselves to Him in the situation to see God's purpose and blessing for our life. That's why this gospel that we believe in, it's called the good news, gospel. How many of you can say amen? In fact, what is the true meaning of gospel? Gospel is good news because gospel is all about not learning how to get out of my situation, but it is about learning who will bring me out of my situation. 
The gospel is not a step-by-step deliverance. The gospel is about knowing who will get you out of your circumstances. The gospel is knowing your deliverer, not steps to deliverance. How many of you can say amen? See, that's why resurrection can never be learned. Resurrection can only be experienced. And you can only get to experience it if you learn to stay with Jesus to the very end and not give up hope, even when there is no more hope in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a big hand. And the criteria is you need to stay firm in God. Don't give up hope. Don't lose faith. Don't ever give up. I want to do it one more time. And please don't get angry with me and tell your neighbor and tell them don't ever give up. (laughs) Number one, just be there. Stay where you are. Don't give up hope. Because your dead end is a setup for a turnaround in your life. How many of you can say amen? It doesn't mean that you worship and pray and there's no results. It means that what you do is useless. No, because it's not about demonstrating usefulness. It is about demonstrating faithfulness. And those who are faithful to the end will experience salvation and resurrection. Who can say amen? That is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, hallelujah. Amen, right? Come on, hallelujah. Amen. Number two, after we stay and we don't give up. What must we do? Point number two, manage your emotions as simply and honestly as you can. Because every day is a step closer to your resurrection. Now church, the issue with standing firm and not giving up is a wonderful concept, but it is hard to practice. Because staying faithful is very difficult, especially if you don't see results. That's why you need to experience and learn endurance. How many of you can say amen? The hardest thing to manage during hardships is to endure sufferings or emotional uncertainties. And that's why if you really want to experience what endurance is all about, try running a marathon. Hallelujah. Because it's very, 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 very challenging to your endurance limit. The hardest thing to manage during hardship is to endure sufferings or emotional uncertainties. When will my deliverance come? When will I get healed? When will the money come? When will my job finally arrive? When will my wife finally turn up in Jesus' name? When will I finally have a baby? When will my problem finally cease to exist in Jesus' name? Now, it's the difficult time because while waiting for my deliverance, my emotions are running up and down. That's why the Bible says the way to go about doing it is to manage your emotions as simply and as honestly as you can. What do you mean by that? John 20 verse 11, 15. Listen, Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. She was in grief. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, it's very important because when Mary was grieving and was in emotional turmoil, suddenly Jesus showed up and engaged her for a conversation. 
And in that conversation, Jesus asked her a question. Now, this engagement of conversation is like a mini counseling session. Why? Because I like what Stephen Furtick said in his sermon. The presence of God is not for you to bypass your emotion. It's a place for you to process your emotion. Because the presence of Jesus in front of her is a place for you not to bypass your emotion, but it is a place for you to process your emotion. You see, how do you manage your uncertainties in the midst of waiting for your deliverance? When your emotions are running up and down, come to the presence of Jesus. Because the presence of Jesus is a place that you can process your emotion. Who can say amen? You know, in her sorrow, Mary Magdalene showed raw honesty and vulnerability as she expressed her grief and pain over the loss of Jesus. She said, I'm grieving because they have taken away my master. Now, did the angels rebuke her for being weak and of little faith? You lousy little faith woman, hallelujah, right? Don't you believe that he has already told you a countless time that he will be resurrected? Stop crying. Amen, hallelujah, right? Stop. Don't cry. You better stop crying. Where is your faith? Come on, show up your faith. Come on, do star jump 50 times. Pack up your faith. Hype up your faith. Come on, listen to some elevation music and pump your, your faith up. Right? Walking around this wall. Amen, right? I thought by now they fall. Amen, right? Yeah, you will never fail me yet. Right? Come on, hype it up. Now, did the angels do that? No. The angels never do that. Because only when you allow God's presence to process your emotion, you will then encounter the purpose behind your pain. My question to you today is this. While waiting for your deliverance, when your emotions is running up and down, where are you processing your emotions? Are you processing your emotion in the presence of Jesus? Or are you processing your emotion through online soccer betting? Hallelujah. You know, it's very funny. Last week, just last week, on Friday actually, I was downstairs at H&M and I met a member and the member was talking to me very friendly and then she suddenly she looked at me and he said, Pastor Aris, your teeth is a little bit yellow. <laughs> wow, amen. Oh yeah. I'm supposed to go to the dentist, amen, right? And then he asked me the question, do you smoke? Whoa! <laughs> I wanted to ask him, no, I'm only into online soccer betting. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> I don't smoke, man. <laughs> Why would I smoke? <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, guys, the reason my teeth is yellow <laughs> is because I spend countless hours counseling people over coffee. Not because smoking to process my emotion. Where are you processing your emotion? Are you processing your emotion over pornography? Are you processing your emotion, right, through addiction, through alcohol? No, the only place that you can process your emotion healthily is in the presence of Jesus. That's why you need to come into the presence of God. 
Now, in pouring out her emotions to the Lord, you know what? The angels didn't, didn't once corrected her. And the thing is this, even when Jesus showed up, the Lord asked Mary the same question as the angels. The Lord asked Mary, Mary, why are you weeping? Now, this is Jesus. Mary, why are you weeping? You don't know me? I mean, today, Pastor Meng was so good in his Cantonese. I'm also very provoked because I'm a Cantonese. Amen, right, right. You don't know? Jesus, you mean, this is Jesus, you know, asking her a question. Mary, why are you weeping? Now, guys, why? Why do you think Jesus asked her a question? Remember, when the Lord asks you a question, it is never for information, but it is for confession. Because when the Lord asks Adam, Adam, where are you? He is not asking Adam for his location. He is asking Adam to confess out his sins before the Lord. Do you think that God doesn't know why Mary is weeping? Of course He knows. Every time the Lord asks you a question, it's never for information, but it is for a confession. Why is it that the Lord asks Mary, why are you weeping? Because He wants Mary to confess out everything that is in her heart. And that is the purpose of resurrection. What the resurrection teaches is that God doesn't forcibly intervene to stop our pain and death. Instead, through your confession, through your acknowledgement, He wants to redeem the pain and vindicates the death in Jesus' name. Because when you begin to pour out your weakness, your vulnerability before the Lord, when you begin to tell the Lord, Lord, I cannot do it anymore in the presence of God and say, Jesus, I cannot. I have come to the end of myself. I need you to help me, to rescue me. When you come to the end of yourself, that is the only way out to your salvation. Because acknowledging that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, only then He can redeem your weakness and turn it into your strength for your resurrection. In acknowledging death, you will see resurrection. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah, right? Only when you acknowledge your weakness, then you can say, let the weak say, I am strong. Only when you acknowledge your poverty, then you can say, only when I'm poor, then you will make me rich. Because it is the confession, it is the acknowledgement that I cannot do it out of my own strength. And that is the true essence of the gospel. Because the gospel is not about step one, two, three to your deliverance. The gospel is always about knowing, getting to know Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The one who will rescue you. The one who will provide salvation for you. You cannot do it on your own. That's why if you try to deny death, you try to deny the process, escape death, you will miss out on your resurrection. Because sometimes when we are tested, we are tested not to show our weaknesses, but it is to discover our strength. And only when you begin to admit to your weaknesses, you know what? Admitting to your weaknesses does not diminish your strength, but it shows your true courage. And because real strength comes only from the greatest sorrow. That's why, church, 
in resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. You know what? Last weekend, we heard a powerful sermon by Pastor Bob on the resurrection of Lazarus. How many of you can say amen? That's why in resurrecting Lazarus from the dead, Jesus told Mary and Martha that if they would believe, they would see the glory of God. He told them, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, the moment we read this scripture, we associate the glory of God means the showing of God's power to resurrect Lazarus. But friends, the glory of God is not the show of His power. The glory of God is His manifested nature, not the show of His power. How do I know? Because when Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in the mountain of transfiguration in His fullness of His glory, He was not performing miracles. He was not performing powerful acts. But he saw, they saw Jesus in the fullness of his glory and the glory was so beautiful because Jesus was revealing his true nature. And John Piper said this, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfection. And that's the thing. What is God's nature? God is good. And he's good all the time. All the time God is good. What is God's nature? God is faithful. What is God's nature? He's gracious and full of mercy. God is never too late. He is neither too early. He is always on time. God is a good God. God will never leave us, nor abandon us, nor forsake us. How many of you can say amen? That is His true nature. That's why when He told Mary and Martha, if you will believe, if you can stay the, the, the path and don't give up on me, you will see my glory. That means what? You will see my goodness. Not to see my miracle of resurrecting Lazarus. The miracle of resurrecting Lazarus is a sign that points to his nature. How many of you can say amen? Because why? Mary and Martha was blaming Jesus. Jesus, if you would have been here earlier, my brother would not have died. But Jesus told them, if you would believe, if you don't give up hope on me, if you stay the course, if you keep on believing in me, you will see my nature, that I am a good God. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. I will always be on time for you and I will always make the best out of the worst circumstances for you. It's the nature. What he wants to show them is not just that he has the power to resurrect Lazarus, but he wants to show them that even though he was late in their eyes, even though they thought that he has abandoned them, he wants them to know that He is a faithful God. He is a good God. He will never abandon them even when they thought that He was abandoning them. That's why if you believe and live life God's way, you know what? His nature will ultimately triumph all hardships and sufferings. It is not His miracle, but it is His nature. How many of you can say amen? That's why you must believe. While waiting for your deliverance, when your emotions is going up and down, what do you do? Come to the presence of God. Let the presence of God process your emotion. Acknowledge your weakness. Tell Jesus, I cannot do it anymore. Tell Jesus, I need you, Lord. Tell Jesus, I'm depressed. I cannot get out of this. Jesus, please help me. Please rescue me. And when you acknowledge your weakness, then you will see and experience His resurrection. And when you begin to continue doing so, you will eventually see His nature upon your life. 
And His nature is that He's a good God. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. And if this is true, and how many of you know that this is true? Then you and I, while waiting for your deliverance, while in the midst of your crisis, you don't have to keep waiting anxiously to escape pain and death to achieve victory, but that we are only to remain faithful, remain good, remain true inside of us, and that God will eventually redeem all of them and vindicate death on our behalf and show His true nature that He is a faithful God, He is a good God who will never leave you nor abandon you. This is what you need to be doing. Turn to the neighbor one more time and say, don't ever give up. That's why Philippians 3 verse 10 said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, that I may know Jesus. You see, knowing Jesus is always first and foremost the right order before experiencing His power of resurrection. Experiencing His nature is the first order in order for you to receive resurrection power. Not resurrection first, then you experience His nature. Not Jesus resurrect Lazarus first so that I know that you are good. No, know that He is good first. Then you can experience resurrection. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And people for us as Christians, we always get the order tobalik the other way around. We are always saying, Lord, miracle first so that I know that you are good. That's why God wants to change you so that you can have resilience, so that you can have quiet faith, not just loud confession. How many of you can say amen? So that your order is made right, so that you can know His nature first. Then you can experience His resurrection. Because even when there is no resurrection, you know that God is still a good God no matter what. Come on, hallelujah. And how does He do that? He do that by the second part of the verse, by conforming you and bring you into the fellowship of His sufferings and conforming you to His death. By allowing you to go through crisis and allowing you to come to a stage of hopelessness and death. And only when you realize that His nature is good, then you will experience His resurrection power. That's point number two. Manage your emotions. Healthily, simply, honestly, come to the presence of Jesus. Tell Him everything and let the presence of God process your emotion and let, him, let, let yourself get to know Jesus, that He's a good God, that He will never abandon you. And only when you are secured in His nature, you will experience His supernatural miracle of resurrection. How many of you can say amen? amen. Number three, and with this I'll end, Hallelujah. Shift your focus from my pain to God's forgiveness. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Just be there. Manage your emotions simply and honestly as you can. And number three, then you will change your focus. Shift your focus from you to God. Shift your focus from my pain to God's forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness empowers us for resurrection. Listen, church, why do I say that? Because only when I take responsibility, He will take authority. God specializes in redeeming regrets and mistakes. How many of you can say amen? But church, He cannot redeem regrets that you won't release. God specializes in turning bad to good, but He cannot do it if you don't release it to Jesus. If you don't forgive, 
It means, yes, you don't deny your mistakes, you don't deny the pain, but you don't let those mistakes condemn you. Learn to forgive yourself and learn to forgive those who have hurt you. How many of you can say amen? But pastor, it's very difficult. No, it's not difficult because that's the purpose of resurrection. Look at what happened in John chapter 19, verse 19 to 23. Listen, the first person that he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. The second woman that he appeared to was Mary, the wife of Clopas, Cleophias. The third group of person, the third group that he appeared to was actually the two disciples walking to the road to Emmaus. And incidentally, one of the guy's name is actually Cleophias, Clopas. So it could be this disciple is actually the husband of Mary, Jesus' uncle. But we do not know. The fourth group of people that Jesus appeared to was to the disciples, right here in John 19. He says here, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. But he didn't stop there. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. No church, upon Jesus' appearance to the disciples after his resurrection, he breathed into them the Holy Spirit. Finally, they received the finished work of the cross and they received the forgiveness of their sin. How many of you can say amen? But Jesus didn't stop there. He continued by saying this, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you can now forgive the sins of any and they will be forgiven. And if you retain their sins, it will be retained. Church, the first power you and I receive as a believer of Christ is the power to forgive. The first power you receive as a believer of Christ is the ability to forgive. It's the grace to forgive. People that have hurt you the most, you are able to forgive them. How many of you can say amen? Why? Because resurrection gives us the grace to forgive and release all the past shame, guilt, and condemnation. Because only if you forgive, you will heal. If you let go, then you will grow. How many of you can say amen? I want to end by telling you this story. This story about Hagar. Now, church, Hagar was Abraham's maidservant. And she fell victim to her master's mistake and human selfishness. Listen, church, when Abraham could not have a child, Sarah told Abraham to sleep with her so that she instead could give him a son. Can you imagine? That plan is a bad plan. When a wife tells the husband to do that, it's a bad plan. But to the husband, it's a good plan. Hallelujah, right? She told, she told Abraham to do that. Now, but the thing is this, when Hagar really conceived, instead of rejoicing that their plan finally worked, Sarah become angry and bitter about it. Why? Because Hagar's success to conceive became a mockery to her barrenness. How many of you here today harbor unforgiveness, guilt, hatred, anger, resentment, bitterness? Because you see someone you hate is experiencing success 
because their success is a mockery to your failure. When other people's success is a mockery to your failure, you get angry. You'll be resentful. You get bitter. Especially today when you look at other people's Instagram. When they're more successful than you, sometimes you'll get angry. You throw your iPad away. <laughs> so, you know, the problem is this. Sarah became carnal. And so she decided to punish innocent Hagar by treating her harshly. Now, church, the worst thing is this. Abraham did not even try to stand up for her, but instead tried to wash his hands off this complicated situation. Typical man. Amen. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> Imagine poor Hagar, a victim of gross injustice. She was angry, she was bitter, and she was resentful. So she did what she wanted to do, and that is she ran away from her mistress. Friends, Genesis chapter 16, verse 6 to 9 said this, Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. But look at verse 7. But the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness and by the spring of the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Remember, every question posed by God is not for information, but it's for confession. She said, Lord, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. Lord, I am fleeing from my pain. I am escaping from my pain. I am escaping from my misery. Hagar said, Lord, I am running away from my pain. I cannot deal with this any longer. But Lord, do you know what is most painful to me? What is most painful to me is that why is it that you in heaven allow this to happen to me? Why is it that you... A God of justice allows such gross injustice to happen to me. And if you know it, why didn't you stop it? Why, didn't, why did you allow it to happen? Church, we hold on to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger and resentment when injustice we felt in our hearts are not addressed or being treated. But look at what the Lord said to Hagar. Verse 9. The angel of the Lord said to her, Hagar, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, because I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. Listen, church, while we are trying to get, solu get out of, while we're trying to get solutions, to get out of our situation, God wants us to submit ourselves to Him in the situation and trust Him to get it out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. While we are finding solutions to get out of our own circumstances, God actually wants us to submit ourselves to Him in the circumstances and trust Him that He will be the one that will deliver you instead of you, the one, deliver yourself. The Lord said, go back to your pain. Hagar, go back to your pain. Stop running away from your pain. Because if you don't go back and submit yourself to Jesus, to God, He cannot redeem your pain. He cannot redeem your regrets. If you don't submit, you will miss out on your purpose. You will miss out on your miracle. Because when you submit your pain to the Lord, He will redeem it 
and turn your pain into a purpose. Because if you are willing to go back to your misery and submit yourself under God, He can turn your misery and let you experience a miracle. Because He has a great descendants ahead of you in Jesus' name. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your pain. And Genesis 16, 11, 13, the Lord spoke to her. The angel said, Behold, you are with a child. Behold, you are with a purpose. It is your pain that gives birth to this purpose. It is this crisis that gives birth to your destiny. Do you know, inside your pain, there is a purpose. Do you know that inside your crisis today, there is a meaning, there is a destiny? Do you know that? Because if you do not know, that means you have not submitted yourself under God in the circumstances. And the Bible says this, you shall bear a son and he shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. And he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Listen, when you submit and release your pain to God, he will release his purpose to you. And just when you thought that God has not heard and are blind towards your affliction, God is telling Hagar, I have heard your affliction. And I can see what you're going through. And upon hearing the purpose behind her crisis and pain, her eyes were open and she began to see the purpose in the pain. She began to see the destiny in her crisis. And when she began to see that, she began to declare the Lord, you are the God who caused me to see. How many of you can say amen? But how? You need to release your pain and forgive it away. You need to release it. You need to give it to the Lord. You need to surrender completely to God. Stop trying to escape and start submitting yourself under God and trust Him that He will deliver you in Jesus' name. Because if He delivers you, He will reveal His purpose. He will reveal His destiny from what you are going through in life. You see, church, I want to end by saying this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. So they came and, and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. You know, church, that morning, Sunday morning, every one of them have lost hope, have lost their future, have lost their faith. And the only thing that they can do is that they just have to go to the grave to pay their respects. But little did they know, as they're walking to the grave, Jesus has already been resurrected. And little did they know that as they're walking towards the grave, Jesus is already waiting for them in Galilee. Because Galilee is the place where He will release the Great Commission to His disciples. You see, church, while they are going back to their past, God is already at your future. You see, when you are in pain and when you are always reliving the past and when you are always regrets, full of regrets and going back again to your mistakes, to your condemnation, to your past failures and when you keep on going back again and again to your grave, you must know that Jesus is already waiting for you at your destiny. See? 
And he's telling you, stop going back to the grave and start meeting me in Galilee. Start meeting me at my destiny. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. Church, number one, what does resurrection teach us? Resurrection gives us the power of resilience. The power to not give up. The staying power to see Jesus to the very end. Why? And how do you do that? Number one, just be there. Don't give up hope. Who can say amen? Even when it is hopeless, know that your dead end is a setup for a turnaround. Number two, while waiting for your deliverance, even when your emotions are full of ups and downs, let the presence of God process that emotion and come to Jesus and tell Him honestly and simply how you feel and acknowledge your weakness so that in your weakness, you can be made strong by Christ Jesus. And number three, release all past hurts and forgiveness and unforgiveness. Release all hurts and resentment and anger and bitterness because only when you release, God can heal. Only when you let go, then only you can grow. How many of you can say amen? And if you continue to do that, notice one thing. He is already waiting for you at your future, waiting for you at your destiny. So stop going back to your past and start going towards your destiny. And all the people say, come on, give God another big round of applause. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God the highest praise because He's the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. I want everybody to please stand up on your feet. Friends, this evening, as you begin to do these three steps, the fourth thing will happen to you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, you will experience the grace, the supernatural power of resurrection. There is no one, two, three steps. It's only by grace. It is only by believing. It is only by you surrendering yourself to Jesus. And it will give you resurrection life. How many of you can say amen? Today, if you are depressed, today, if you are at your wit's end, Today, if you have come to the end of the road, today, if you feel like giving up, this is the moment that God wants to resurrect you. So I want you to lift up your hands to heaven and I want you to pray in tongues like you have never prayed before. I want you to acknowledge to God your weakness and tell Lord, Lord, I cannot do it anymore. Take over, take control. Come on, let's begin to pray out loud in the name of Jesus. Come to the end of yourself. Acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge your weakness so that He can make you strong in Jesus' name. Let's sing this song. I can't forget, I still remember the place you found me and I surrender.
tonight, you know what? I don't know about you, but tonight, I want to really pray for you. If you are feeling depressed, if you are struggling with depression, if you are struggling with darkness in your mind, if you are struggling with hopelessness, something happened to you, a crisis that caused you to lose all hope and future. Friends, tonight, I want to encourage you this. And I want to tell you, tell you this. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Because if you give up or abandon Jesus, you are cutting the only source of your miracle. Jesus is the only source of your miracle. And that's why today, this evening, I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The grace of resurrection will come upon you. You know what, today, I may be praying and I may ask you to lift up your hands and sing songs. You may say, but pastor, all these are not pragmatic because I don't see any usefulness in seeing my progression. Friends, it's not about usefulness. It is about faithfulness. Because those who remain faithful to the end, you will experience salvation in Jesus' name. You will see God's nature first. Then only you can experience resurrection. And that's why you need the grace of God. If that is you, I want to lift up your hands to heaven. And I want to pray for you right now. That's right, Father, you see those hands that are lifted up. In the name of Jesus, come down from heaven. Father, reach out to each and every one of them. Remove every darkness in their mind. Father, I break the spirit of death over them. In the name of Jesus right now. And Father, let life come into their being in Jesus' name. Every hopelessness go. Every death go. In the name of Jesus. Father, I speak into those marriages that are dead. Father, Lord, relieve the romanticism. Relieve the feelings again. In the name of Jesus. That's right. If you are, if you believe that, I want you to give God a big hand. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All together surrender maybe just give one or two minutes tell the Lord let presence of God process your emotion tell the Lord Lord I cannot do it anymore I've come to the end of myself I don't know what else I must do I've tried everything Jesus I'm about to lose my faith I'm about to give up but Lord please help me so that I will not give up Help me see the purpose behind my pain. Help me see my destiny in the midst of my crisis. That's right, I want you to acknowledge. Tell the Lord, tell the Lord. Tell the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Let His presence process your emotion. I pray for those hands that are lifted up. Father, I pray from the bottom of my heart, I pray, God, that you rend the heaven and come down to their rescue. When they are in despair, when they are in hopelessness, when they are in dark depression, Jesus, shine your light in the midst of the darkness and rescue them in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that today that you will open the windows of heaven and pour out your grace the power of resurrection, the resilience. Lord, let not a single one over here succumb to hopelessness, but everyone overcome, triumph through Christ Jesus. So Father, I thank you, and I thank you in advance for the victory that you have already given to each and every one of them. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say, Come on, if you are victorious, give God a big hand. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah! Let's defeat depression. Let's overcome hopelessness. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Woo! Hallelujah. Guys, thank you so much for staying through. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon. I know it's a little bit long, but please forgive me. I managed to still release you by 7 o'clock. But guys, please, don't treat this lightly. God wants, to, God wants you to experience emotional resurrection. Amen? This is important. This is important for you and I. So please, live in freedom. Live in resurrection. God bless you. And please, live in freedom. Right? God bless you. And have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.